Listeners, we are we have returned with our three-way moviegasm podcast, and on today's show, we're going to be talking about the help and all of the various subjects that, that um, play into the help um, politically and um, maybe in terms of the Oscar race. And uh, we're also going to talk about what movies that have impressed us this year. You know what what we all think is is the best so far. And I'm here with Craig Kennedy of Living in Cinema. Dot com and Ryan Adams and me, Sasha Stone, of awardsdaily.com. And so we'll start with <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> take been... it away. <laughs> Just dead silence from Craig and I because we're so out of practice. And I forgot we were going to be talking about the movies that, that have impressed us this year, so I'll have to try to think of some real quick, if any. <laughs> Well, we should say that we haven't done a moviegasm podcast in a while. We sort of shot our wad with the Coen brothers, which <laughs> never ended up getting posted. Um, but we've decided because, well, Craig is pretty pissed off about the help. <laughs> and Kennedy's got to be in his bonnet again about the freaking help. <laughs> and we also missed each other, and I'm sure you guys missed hearing from us. <clears throat> so if not, too bad. Because <laughs> we're back like a rash. We're back, baby. <laughs> like <a rat. laughs> and of course we we both you know we're all sort of imbibing so you have to you know maybe I'll cut that out <laughs> I, I'm actually out. completely okay. sober but I'm not wearing pants so that? <laughs> <laughs> all right all right so um the help opened uh it didn't open at number one I don't think but it climbed its way back to number one um it opened it, against um Rise of the Planet of the Apes, for one thing, I think, maybe, didn't it? Or didn't Rise of the Planet of the Apes? Uh, no, the second week, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes uh, still took number one, I believe, that, and, uh, and it, it, that knocked Help out of the first place. Right, but then the second week, uh, the Help took over, right? As exactly, number one. right, yes. Mm-hmm. And, it only uh, dropped like 20% or something ridiculous yeah. like that. And it has insane word of mouth. Every person that I talk to, even my mother, I saw the Help. It was so good. I cried all the way through it. <laughs> yeah, people who don't like movies are going to this thing and they're loving it. It has like an A-plus cinema score. It has an A-plus cinema score, and if you go on Yahoo uh, users, it's A. And usually a great movie on there will have an A-minus. It never has an A. Like, this movie mm-hmm. has, other than people like, you know, the various people who kind of find, have a lot of problems with it, it's getting 
incredible amounts of praise from the public. It's a movie to really fear in the Oscar race, seriously. Um, and you know what I think maybe part of that score is the fact that people who, who have an idea that they may not like the help are just not going to see it. And so if they don't go to see it, they're not rating it. I think people, a lot of people are avoiding uh, the movie. So I really the, the people who, who are going to the movie are already predisposed to like it because they've already heard from people that they're going to like it and their friends have given them, um, they, their friends know them, their friends know what they're going to like. I actually thought I was going to be able to skip it. I didn't think it was going to be, I, was, I didn't think at first it was going to be that important. I thought I was going to be able to get away with maybe bluffing my way, talking about it. But I realized the second week that I wasn't, I was going to have to, I was going to need to see it. And when I went, and one of the black friend of mine, we walked in the theater, we were late. I didn't even care if I was going to be late. We, we didn't think it was going to be any trouble to find seats. It was the middle of the week, uh, matinee, and it had already been out for like 10 days or so. And, but it was packed. The theater was oh packed. They were showing really? the, uh, the War Horse previews. We'd ba we had barely were able to find two seats together. And it Whoa. was the entire audience was women. It looked like scanning the audience. It looked like almost entirely women, and and they were all over 50. I mean, wow. I'm not kidding. 80% of the audience over 50. When the lights came up after the movie, we did see maybe 40 men, and there were only two black women in the entire audience out of maybe 350 people in the audience, only two black women. So this is definitely a movie that white people are, at least in, in the theater that we went to, which is a, which is a, a town of 130,000 people in Indiana, um, the audience... Um, it was a, it, it was a uh, it was a movie that we said afterwards. It's like a movie about black people made for white people. Mm. The audience breakdown was pretty much the same in in Burbank, California, which for those of you for whom L.A. isn't the center of the universe, that's sort of a, a suburb of Los Angeles with um, a little more upscale, I suppose. Mm. You saw it with a, with with an audience, Greg. You didn't see it at a screening. Yeah, audience uh, full, yeah. full of mostly old women. And I, and I was like uh -huh. you; I wasn't going to bother because uh -huh. the trailer um, the trailer was sort of obnoxious and made me want to punch kittens in the face. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it became a thing, and just mm -hmm. just like with the Blind Side two years ago, it became a thing. So right. uh, I, I, I'm I'm as interested in the phenomena of movies as I am movies themselves. So mm. I kind of wanted to go yeah. and see what it was all about. Right. And it, tur it turned out with the blind side, it wasn't quite as annoying as what the trailer was. And so I, I kind of went in hoping that that would be the case here, that, mm -hmm. that they were just overselling the more obnoxious elements to get the unthinking crowds in, which obviously worked. But I don't know, the movie itself, as I was watching it, it was entertaining, um, you know, good acting. It made me misty-eyed at times. I laughed a few times. It was only afterwards when I was thinking about it and I sat down to write a review of it, the more I thought about it, the more it started to really piss me off. Mm. Um, and it, it, it just seemed to be offering this, this candy-coated vision of the civil rights era South that was designed completely to make white people feel better about what really happened. And it, it, it annoyed me that they had to make up this triumphant story about this white girl getting these black women together to, you know, write this book. But this, this never really happened. This, this book was written 50 years later. It's, it, it's, a, it's, a total, right. it's a total fantasy. And it just, it, it offended me. that it, it was an insult to me to, to the real period and the real people who had real suffering. Mm, yeah. Well, so what we decided to do with this podcast, the reason that we're even on here is because we were going to take sides. Like, um... Mm. I think we all kind of feel generally the same about the help, um, but as far as politically and historically. Yeah, I mean, for me, yeah. mm -hmm. it was yeah. mm -hmm. um, 
And, and I just want to say that I'm going to take the other side of the argument only because I feel really strongly about the fact that it's a movie that's doing well with the American public that is all women in the cast, strong women performances, specifically strong black women, Viola Davis and Octavia Spencer, and I want to celebrate them, and I want to see them make more movies, and I want them to win Oscars, and I, I, I think it's a shame that it has to be this kind of Jim Crow sort of, you know, kowtowing to white people bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think that white people can vote for movies that are authentic to the, to the period. I think that we are all living with this guilt of what happened, and I think that, that um, white people looking at a movie about black people <laughs> need to feel like it's okay. You know, everything's okay. But the movie... Mm -hmm. <clears throat> just to agree with you, Craig, a little bit, was even while I was watching it, which I saw it with my daughter, Emma, who loved it, and we were both kind of crying through it, and I couldn't help but be charmed by these women. You know, even um, Alice and Janney was charming, and the only one I didn't like was Bryce Dallas Howard, but um, I, at the part, the part that really bothered me was when Emma Stone said to her mom first, I can't leave you here dying, Mom. Oh, yes, you can. Go off and be a journalist. And then the <laughs> second time when she said to the her two wonderful women friends, I can't leave you here <laughs> to endure the civil mm -hmm. rights movement. Oh, yes, you can. You know? <laughs> go be a journalist or go be working publishing in New York. I mean, really? Publishing in New York after that? I mean, couldn't she be an assistant on? editor? <laughs> you know I, mean, I mean, that's such a you, big thing. You know? It's like... Fuck you, white person. You get to write the book. And you get to sell all the books. You get to get all the credit. You get to move to New York and have a great life. Well, what happens to the maids? You know, what that's happens the thing is, that you know, you never saw the, you never saw the. I'll, I know you're gonna say the same thing, Craig, but let me let me just jump in real quick. You never saw the the consequences for anybody. You never saw the consequence, the bad consequences happen to any of the characters, and there had to have been. Uh, there had to. Uh, all the maids, you saw the maids lost their jobs, but you almost felt like they were lucky to lose the jobs because who wants to be working for those women anyway? Who wants to be working in those kind of households? Yeah. So it didn't feel like such a punishment to get fired. You never saw them having any hardship from getting fired. They just went home. They just went home and, you know, and kept house um, in their black neighborhood. You didn't see that it really, that losing their job was not such a big deal. Uh, even at the end when... Um, uh, she's walking down the street all by herself. You don't know what's at the end of that street. They don't show you what, what where she's going. Well, and she she even couched it as her retiring. She she made it sound like she was done with the whole housekeeping thing. She didn't even right. And the implication was too, I guess, that she was going to be Wait, telling the story. Who are we then. She was I'm going to sorry. tell the story. And the real the help the the book the little blue book help in the movie was not the same book help that everyone read the bestseller. It's a different book. Right. You know, the the, uh, the book that Skeeter wrote. Uh, was only about the maids, but the book that the maid wrote was about the whole story. Right. The maid told everyone's story. And so I guess the implication was she was going to become the writer. Oh, um, I didn't get that at all. I thought it was just Skeeter who wrote it. Oh, I think, uh, yeah, I think so. I think that, that, that I think that, that, that the, the closing monologue, she said that, that uh, the story, she was, the story was up to her to tell now. 
that her son oh, that always told going... her there was going to be a writer in the family. And she said, I guess that's and, and meaning maybe it was going to be him. But then when he died, she said, I guess the writer's going to be me. That was one of the last lines in the movie. Well, see, I would love it if that was true. But what I took that yeah. as is she was just happy to vicariously write through Skeeter, the, the white right. person who knew how to write. You know, That's the way I took it. Yeah, Really, though, I think that, that closing monologue and, and various things in the last half of the movie are the, or were the saving grace for the movie for me. When, the, when it seemed like the, the black people took the story back for themselves, the black characters took the story away from the white people, uh, the white characters. Um, that's what that's what really was a saving grace for the movie, and what redeemed re- redeemed it for me in my eyes. I'm I'm between you guys, Sasha. You really are, are, are I like it, Craig. You kind of hate it, and I'm stuck in I'm in the middle, and I'm happy to be in the middle of the of the uh, movie gasm. If, if it hadn't offended me, I would have been okay with it. It was like I said, it was reasonably entertaining. It was uplifty, feel goody, but I thought that it was. It was capitalizing on a particularly unpleasant time in our country's history just to make some light entertainment that makes white people feel better about themselves. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what, I, Craig, I can't disagree with you. I really can't. I, I agree almost 100%. I don't and even... Yet. And yet... Well, I I just, I feel like... I. I just feel we don't, like I don't want to say anything to hurt. I don't want to say I don't want to say anything that's going to hurt the chances of Viola Davis and Octavia Spencer. Really, that's the way I feel right now. I don't, I don't think you have to worry about that. I think they yeah. can give all the Oscars to Viola Davis. Yeah. I think so too. Sure. I, I mean, I, I really I think so. that this movie is so is the kind of movie that people like. It's like The King's mm-hmm. Speech last year. It's just going to be. It's going to do really well in the Oscar race because people like it so much. Women, you know. Um, mm-hmm. These women that I, I had lunch with, they were all, you know, really kind of liberal-minded. One was an NPR reporter, one was a Pilates teacher. You know, they're very kind of self-actualized women, and they all loved it. And none of them had any problem with um, the racial stereotyping. And But, you know, I'm right with you, Craig, on that, because I do think that that's a pro- I don't think it's a problem for the movie, as in the movie's not going to do well or it's not going to win Oscars. I think it's a problem for all of us you know, whites and blacks as we move forward. I think that it's dangerous to trust Hollywood to tell the story right. They're never going to because they're in the entertainment business and the people that they're entertaining is 70, 80% um, white people. Right. So they can't make a movie that white people aren't going to like. So therefore, you have to see a movie about nice white people. <laughs> the problems that we have, the problems that we have with the historical, historical accuracy and the authenticity of the characters are not the, the the audiences are not having this problem, and the Oscar voters, are, the Academy is not going to have this problem no. either because they. That's what I. That's, I agree with Craig. It's so much more. I got so much more out, out of the phenomenon of the experience of going to the theater that day and seeing this crowd. I had never seen a crowd. I mean, in the middle of the week like that, and in a matinee, a theater that's packed like this and at the end of the of the movie when the credits start rolling um you see her walking down the street no one got up to leave i turned around and looked at the crowd behind us and people were like wrapped in in, uh, in awe of this movie they were looking at the screen listening to that closing song like they were at church it was like a religious experience right. to them almost these women loved it so much walking out of the theater i wanted to hang around by the door and kind of listen to what people were saying and i heard snippets of conversation someone even said every category people were talking about cat- oscar oscar categories yeah. in indiana you know I you know. just never hear that well seriously and i think that this is a movie that could win it's surprising. Yeah. Could I'm win. surprised too. When you said that, you said it um, before I saw it, and I couldn't believe that you would you were going that far. But I kind of I'm I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because um, 
what it does is it, <clears throat> it's, it's, it relieves people of their guilt, is what this movie does. It makes it okay. Yeah. See, mm-hmm. we told the maid's story, so it's okay, but they left mm-hmm. out so much. They left. Uh, see, Craig, I'm taking over your part. <laughs> That's okay, yeah, but because I, 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 well, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to say they, saying it's they, okay, but I mean, I, I think what you're saying. No, yeah. but they left uh, out all the stuff about how a lot of the black maids were lovers of the white husbands, mm-hmm, and that right. would have been such a great thing to bring up as a, you know, right. as for for like uh, Emma Stone's um, maid who was fired, like. I kept expecting it to be he was having a long-term affair with the guy. You know, she was having a long-term affair with the with the husband, but mm-hmm. that kind of sexual imposition, sexual slavery, was never brought up in the movie at all. Apparently, mm-hmm. it is in the book, but it was taken out of the movie, uh-huh. um, which I find interesting because it's like I don't know that I'm comfortable with this idea of a uniform presentation of black people as this kind of you know, humble, sort of with their head bowed, their head bowed down, you know, and, um, but I did think that this movie sort of defied a little bit of that. Like, I think that Viola Davis and Octavia Spencer did have some real moments together, like in the kitchen and, Mm -hmm. and there were real characters and the plot did turn on their character stories, which again, you don't see, you know, you don't see movies about black people in a white world where the plot turns on their story. Mm-hmm. When they were on their turf, they they were in. They they even told Skeeter what to do. They were telling her what to write. They you know, you be sure and write that part. You know, don't skip right. that part. And Minnie, Octavia Spencer's character, Minnie, she really. I mean, she was really the. She's. I just love the way she stood up to people, everyone. She wasn't afraid to stand up to anyone, and I thought that was terrific. I mean, the only thing I, during the first half of the movie, the first hour, I thought, oh gosh, just I did exactly as I expected this is as, as bad as i thought it was going to be right. everything was just too bright and like craig said candy coated it was also pastel and just such so such a um um a museum kind of reproduction of the, of the early 1960s there was no darkness in it whatsoever until you know the middle the midpoint of the movie when it all changes when the, the um even though it I, I was prepared for the fact that they were going to kind of gloss over the um, Medgar Evers assassination and everything, but they didn't as much as I thought. They really made quite a quite a quite a um, you know, specific point of it. And when it, when that happened, the movie took a dark turn for me. They started showing that not only the darkness of the subject matter, but even even the cinematography got darker. Even the mm-hmm. even the, the the lighting in all of the scenes got darker. I I noticed. I I think I noticed it anyway, and I liked that a lot. It changed the whole movie for me, and it started to get better. I liked the scene where the cops came to arrest the one maid who had stolen the earring or mm-hmm. had stolen, stolen the ring, and they were like super rough with her. They cut away before they actually showed him clubbing uh-huh. her, but he did club her, and it was obvious. But right. uh, it was scary and uh, and unpleasant, and I thought that the movie really needed to go there more, but it kept feeling mm-hmm. like they were, they kept pulling back because they were too afraid of, of offending the sensibilities of their old white lady audience, and I thought that right. was, it was unfortunate because, like, the, the darkness was there, but it was, it was way too subtle for what it should have been, mm-hmm. and I... And I, I I agree. It was too subtle, but I was glad it was there at all because I was prepared from what I had read. I'd read more. I hadn't really read reviews, but I had read opinions about the politics and mm-hmm. the the historical parts. And I had I was prepared that it was going to not have include any of that whatsoever. So every little every little bit of that that was there, I was so grateful for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. Uh, 
It's true. I remember that part now that you bring it up, and that was really the only thing, unfortunately, about that was that you know the Bryce Dallas Howard character is so ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're always talking about. Well, that's, um, it, like you said, that that's what it makes people feel good about the movie too. Is yeah. all of the, the 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 white ladies who were really extremely um, crude and brutal and 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 and, and racist. They they. They were so extremely harpy. They were just extreme harpies, and you exactly. can look at them and say, "We're not like that anymore." Exactly. See how much we've improved. We're so much better than that now. Right. There's no danger that you would ever mm. identify with any of these horrible cartoons of characters, right. which to me is wrong. I mean, I think because uh-huh. we're all, we're all implicated, even though you know, we all grew up after the civil rights era. Uh-huh. Our country was founded on racism, and we've all benefited from it in some way. So we're all we all carry that guilt, and uh-huh. this movie just it refused to acknowledge that. There were parts yeah. in the first half of the movie where the audience was laughing, and I could tell that my friend I was with he was I could tell by his body language he was uncomfortable. He was uncomfortable with the things they were laughing at. He was I'm not kidding. There were only two black women there, and he was the only black guy in the entire audience. And I knew he was, and I even leaned to him. I said, "Do you want to leave?" I said, "We don't have to stick through. We don't have to stick this out." He said, "No, it's, it's okay." But he he got he eventually liked it. I would say overall, after the movie was over, that he had a he would has a favorable impression of it. But there were times during the beginning of the movie where I could tell that he was. He was not happy that people were laughing at the things they were laughing at. And I wonder, it makes me think, I wonder if these people who were laughing would be laughing if they were the only two white people in a black audience. Right. Hmm. You know, uh, the movie gave them permission, though, and the audience gave them permission. And the structure of the film being based, the, especially the, first, the beginning part, being seemed to be structured around the white point of view, it gave them permission to to laugh but I don't like you can you imagine someone going into a black club and saying anybody here want some fried chicken right you know but that line was in the movie I loves me some fried chicken and my you know why would they want to include that line in the movie knowing what a what a hot button thing that is to say how that's going to offend so many people there's no doubt that that's going to just rub people the wrong way but they know that that's a laugh line right but it's a laugh line for who though it's a laugh line for the white people in the audience yeah exactly and and the and the and the white whiteified black people like Oprah, you know, mm-hmm. who yeah, live in the white yeah. world. And uh, exist I don't understand Oprah. I really don't understand. I guess I do. I think I think I do. I mean, I understand, but I understand because she knows um, business. She knows what sells, and she knows that it, that it, it's uh, it, uh, it's popular. It's a it's a huge bestseller, and I thought she probably feels the same way you do too, Sasha. That she wants to see it become EB successful, um, for the sake of the actresses. Yeah, but you know she liked the book. The book is one of her yeah, book right. Club That's picks. true. Yeah. And, and, I, just, and, I don't understand that either. And also, mm. Michelle Obama hosted a screening of it at the White House. Yeah. And when you have Michelle Obama and Oprah backing a movie, it's really hard to make the argument that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. But uh, at the same time. Uh, I said, I think I said in a comment on the site that um, Michelle Obama is involved in politics, and people who are involved in politics do things that are politically expedient. Right. They know what to do for for the um, stagecraft, right. and it's a popular thing to do to be to screen this movie. And, and also, just because you screen a movie at the White House doesn't mean you like it. Right. And then the Obamas, anyway, are trying to paint a picture of we're over it. You know. Mm-hmm. We're right. over it. Exactly. We don't carry a chip yeah. on our shoulder anymore about this stuff. You know? They're trying to be the harmless black people. Exactly. I, I won't leave, <laughs> lift a stick to you. And that was what struck me, not to keep bringing up the black side, but when I watched, <laughs> I rewatched it again because I, I knew we were going to be talking about it, but 
I was so surprised at, at Michael Orr, at the kind of um, castrated character that he is, how he has to keep his head down, and he's practically treated mm -hmm. as somebody who's, you know, emotionally or um, developmentally disabled, and he's not in real life developmentally disabled. No. He's very articulate, not. you know, he's not like that. And um, the way that she bosses him around and the way that the son bosses him around and um, even the NAACP person bosses him around, it's just sort of this idea of, like, you know, they don't really know what's best for them, and you know, we have to take yeah. over and control. See, for me, the the Blind Side never became his story. It was always um, Leanne Tui's story. It was always her story. It was always centered on her. He never took, even though it was all for supposedly ostensibly for his benefit, he never got control of. He never got a handle to become the star of his own story. It was all about her, and that's where I think that the help is for me. Uh, it, um, succeeded where the, where the blind side failed. For me, maybe maybe it says more about me than anything else, but I didn't, I'm able to separate out the racial component of the blind side and it still works mm. just as well if Michael Orr is a white kid who's mm. underprivileged. Because mm. um, for me, it was, it was, it was just a simple message about not judging people on the surface, about giving people a chance to prove themselves. And it was sort of a, it, to the extent that it was Christian, and it was very Christian, and I'm not a Christian person at all, but it seemed to hold Christians to task for actually walking the walk of the talk that they talk, you know what I mean, about loving thy neighbor and mm -hmm. and being that kind of thing. And that, mm -hmm. all, and you know, all of that stuff to me is independent of the whole the whole racial thing, whereas you can't, you can't remove race from the help. The movie no longer exists if you take the racial component out of it. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And another thing, the, the blind side, the advantage that the blind side has, it is a, it is a true story. It right. is true. Even though, like you said, they, they didn't play up the fact that this is the way Christians should behave. That is not really the way Christians do behave overall. You know, in this country, that is not. But that's a good example of one Christian who did. And well, it does it, have that advantage that there is that historic, that, but it does have, it is factual, see, right. it's factual, so they can point to that and say, this really happened. And, but whereas you say that the, 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 the book, The Help, was never written in 1963. It could have been. Had it been, or had the book, had even had the movie been made in 1968, this would be a great movie for 1968. Right. <laughs> just, like the, just like Crash would have been a great movie in 1968. <laughs> Or just like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner was a great movie back then. It's not, yeah, but exactly. it was back You're right. then. Yeah, imagine that that's Guess actually... Who's Coming to Dinner coming, being produced today. Come, guess, guess Who's Coming to Dinner would be ridiculed today. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's one of the things about this movie also that's frustrating, is if it had been made 40 years ago, it would be fine. But even, even Driving Miss Daisy was, what, 25 years ago? Right. Mm. Have we really not grown past that I know. at all? Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because now we have a black president. I know. Hello. You know, I mean, that's the uh, best thing about it, I think. And that's why I thought at first that it would be irrelevant. But I'm finding now that it's not. It's, it's relevant because I think that people do feel that guilt still. You know, mm -hmm. white people, let's, let's just remember, this is not a movie for black people. It's absolutely well, we could, a movie for white people, you know. You just tell any... the, the, the uh, number of comments that we get, and we posted three or four different features about the help, and we've got just a huge amount of a really interesting discussion, really, yeah. really smart discussion that we're getting from this movie. So it's really on people's minds. Back to Driving Miss Daisy, isn't it, it bothers me, it irritates me a lot that, that people are talking about wondering whether Viola Davis should be, um, um, uh, should campaign in supporting her or lead actress. Because looking back at Driving Miss Daisy, weren't, 
Morgan Freeman and Jessica Tandy co-leads in that movie? Shouldn't they have been co-leads? Weren't they, didn't they have equal screen time and aren't they equally important in the character? So why was he supporting actor? Why was right. he, because, just because he played her chauffeur, that, that made, he, had, he had a supporting role in the, in the context of the movie, so he has to have a supporting role in, 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 in Hollywood? I don't see that. I don't see why, why I'm glad, I'm glad that, um, did he win the Oscar that year? Oh, I think, I think. Gosh, I don't know. He's he won for um, uh, he won for um, um, that Clint Eastwood movie, <laughs> Million Dollar right. Baby. Uh-huh. And what I else did he win? I think he won a lead role too, didn't he? Um, or was he only one two supporting? Let me look him up really fast here. See, I'm, uh, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I thought no, he's only won one Oscar. Oh, he's only won he one. Was, uh, yeah, and. Oh, I'm wrong. No, it's never mind. I'm, I'm embarrassed now. I thought he was. I thought he. Ran, I thought he. Uh, I thought he campaigned in Best Supporting Actor for Driving Miss Daisy, but it was Best Actor in a Leading Role. Okay. So never mind. Did I'm he win? <laughs> I'll delete uh, all that. Lost, Don't worry. Lost, but he was nominated <laughs> as a lead as a leading actor. So I'm. I'm an idiot. No, you're not an okay. idiot because I'm surprised. I would. I would. <laughs> I was totally buying that he was supporting actor because it seems like. I'm, I'm real convincing. Yeah. I'm real convincing in my delusion. But, <laughs> so I guess the only two um, black actors who have won. Uh, two Oscars would be Denzel Washington and Sidney Poitier, right? They're the only ones that have won two. Really? At right. least two. And, and not yeah. and not and one for supporting and one for lead. Right. Uh, Denzel's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Denzel's yeah. got supporting and lead, and Sidney Poitier's two leads are. I'm surprised. I thought Morgan Freeman had won more than one Oscar. That's a little embarrassing. <laughs> That's a it little is nominated uh, five times for. Um, Hmm, what is this movie, Street Smart? Have ever, has anyone seen Street Smart? No, but I remember it, sure. That was like his first movie yeah. a long time ago. Uh, yeah, uh, and nominated for Best Supporting Actor in that, and then Driving Miss Daisy, The Shawshank Redemption, Million Dollar Baby, he won, and then uh, nominated in lead uh, for Invictus again, mm-hmm. but he's only won the one time. God, he's great in Shawshank Redemption. That's what yeah. he should have won for. That's yeah, like you said in your in your article on the site, there's so many actors uh, were not even nominated for for roles that they should have been nominated for. But then when they were nominated, they lost to less deserving white actors lots right. of times. I know who won that year the Shawshank Redemption. Mm. Let me look, look real quick. How do we feel about Viola Davis in supporting her lead? What is what's your opinion about that? Gosh, I don't know. She seems supporting to me, but I can buy the lead thing you know, too. See, I've been I've been so I've been so pushing for her to be in lead. Yeah. See, because I, I guess I want the movie to be about her. The only way that I can really, the only way I can love the movie, the only way I can, I can really, the only way I can tolerate the movie is if it's not about Skeeter. It I is about Skeeter. I don't want it to be all about Skeeter. It's about it Skeeter. It seems to me that Skeeter has the most character arc of everybody in the movie, though. Yeah, it's her, her story is the one that's most fully played out. Totally. Because what, she, what is her arc, though? She, well, she's, do we, she's, but do we she's, know she's, anything about Viola? We, we find out about Viola Davis's son, but that's it. A little bit. Yeah. You know, and we yeah. but we only find out about her in terms of how she relates to the white people. Whereas with Skeeter, we find out about her romantic life, her career, her objectives, her conflict with her girlfriends. You know, every I little. Who cares though? About, I know we we learn about that, but I just I'm just don't, I wish that I would even wish that wasn't in the movie. I just why why I don't, do we need I don't to go about care, her but romantic? I think the movie cares. Yeah, I know that's right. See, I, I guess I want it to be a different movie than it is, and I have to face facts because lots of people are saying the same thing that she should be she should be campaigning and supporting, for one thing because she's almost certain to win. 
And I th and, and I people think. are saying that yeah. if she runs and that she can't that she uh, is in the lead category that she probably will not win. And that makes me mad to think that why not? Do we have to seat her at the children's table in order for her to win an Oscar? By the kitchen. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, I don't come know. in the back she, door to win the Oscar. She I just might don't win. like that idea, but I she might win and lead. Go ahead. Because it could split, yeah. you know. Meryl Streep's not going to win another Oscar. Sorry, Awards Daily listeners. <laughs> I know you want her to, but she's not going to win for this, probably. See, but I, she's I, never I, worn buck teeth before. She's got to get it this time. <laughs> no, she's not going to get buck it. Teeth Oscar. It's about, about running about if Viola Davis runs in supporting that she's going to be running against Octavia Spencer, and right. and they're either going to split the vote, and and Vanessa Redgrave is going to win. Or Cori Coriolanus, or whatever that thing is, oh. Coriolanus, <laughs> and uh, or 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 Viola, Spen Viola, Viola Davis is going to kill Octavia Spencer's chances, and mm -hmm. I would hate to see that happen. You I want them love, both to win, one I for supporting and one win. for lead. I really want them both to win. They might. Even though I'm not. Look, I mean, people yeah. love this movie so much; it's possible. But yeah. you know, the Academy voters are all male, so they're not going to go. I mean, if they were all women, they they would win for sure. But how many men are going to mm -hmm. be voting? You know, they. Only vote for women mostly that they want to fuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I guess we'll have to wait and see how it plays out to see who else. Because uh, I can't think offhand what other supporting candidates we're going to have this this year that are that are strong. Um, uh, I guess probably Sandy Bullock will be a supporting actress in, in uh, Extremely Loud, Incredibly Close. Mm, I don't know. It's not a very I big part. You know, it's not a very big yeah. part. I read the uh, script. It's not very big. It's it's. Uh, but you know, yeah. If if the movie's good, if the movie hits, it will. They'll be nominated for everything, you know. Because I mm -hmm. sobbed hysterically during the reading of that screenplay. It was like the weirdest experience of. I don't think I've ever read anything in print that made me cry like that. So if the movie doesn't fuck it up, it's going to be great. You know, it'll be mm -hmm. incredibly sad and extremely loud and <laughs> incredibly close. And <laughs> <laughs> That's, see, that's, that's how I feel about the help. Is it's a, uh, it's good, it's smart, it's kind. It's it's not really that it's important, important, but it's not very and it's not smart. And the movie, it's the help's smart. not smart. <laughs> <laughs> but it is kind. It's kind. It's kind. It like it likes the white cheering. <laughs> Uh, I thought I really, you know, the movie. I was really getting into the movie. Like I said, the last, the second half of the movie, I was, I was buying it. I was totally getting into. I was getting emotional, and everything. But th that little kid came along and fucked it up for me at the end. The little chubby kid little the, white kid. A little chubby little white kid with her speech impediment. Yeah. In fact, the two different characters with the speech impediment. The gay editor at the newspaper. That little <laughs> dwarf gay editor. The local I mean, color did, character? Yeah. Wasn't he gay or not, right? He was. Don't you think? I don't know. He was colorful. <laughs> he was colorful. He did a cartwheel at the at the party. So That's what right. is that? <laughs> He's like the court jester of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that <laughs> the at all. The hat with bells. <laughs> but you know, um He was I, he, that he thought he was I thought he was pretty offensive. <laughs> All right, well, I just have to say one more thing, bitching about the help. Craig, I'm not doing a very good job defending it. No, you failed utterly. You've <laughs> convinced no one that this movie should okay. be seen. That's terrible. But I, I just want to it say It should that. be seen, though. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to say, say what I said on the site, and, 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 and not, that, not, not that coming from me this means a whole lot, but I liked it better than The King's Speech. I like, <laughs> I like The Help better than The King's Speech. So there. <laughs> I, I like The Blind Side better than The Help, yet... 
I would. I don't. I don't really want to discourage people from seeing it because it obviously means a lot to a lot of people, and I'm willing to step back and accept the fact that maybe there's a component of it that just I didn't get or didn't resonate with me in some way. So I don't. I don't want to piss on everybody's campfire and say that they shouldn't go see it. But right. I. I think definitely if you're if you're a woman and you're over fifty, you should go see this movie. This movie is made for you. <laughs> yeah. If you're, definitely. If you're, if you're my mom, by all means. Oh, my mom. My mom loved it. Movie. And you know, Ryan, your mom's going to love it. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm going to have to take her to see it. I'll probably end up seeing it again. See, that's going to be like, it's not the kind of movie I would usually see twice. But you I'm know, probably... my, my least favorite moment in the movie was hmm. when when Skeeter, I mean, I hate that her name is Skeeter anyway. I know. I just mm-hmm. out of me. But anyway, I, I can't remember. She was looking at a picture of herself, I think, when she was, when she was a little girl standing next to Constantine or something. And uh-huh. it's up on a bookshelf and conveniently placed right next to the picture is a copy of To Kill a Mockingbird and oh. Native Son. And it's like, oh, oh come on. Are you kidding me? I am no not, way. No, I'm totally no serious. When you see the movie again, check it out. No, it's I know. Noticed it too, but I was really offended by the whole her finding out her maid thing, that whole maid story, and how she was like crying and whining. How we're supposed to care that a see the thing that bothered me fundamentally about the movie, and I I say this as, as a supporter of the movie. Um, <laughs> I swear, <laughs> is that you know, it's the woman writer that bugs me, the one who wrote the book. It's like you can't write a book about the black experience of being a maid in the '60s. You can't. See? That's if you're what I've been saying. Woman. I've been saying I had such a, such an argument with that. Who is it? Anthony Bresnikin? Yeah. Bresnikin. We had a fight that went on for like 40 or 50 tweets on, on Twitter about this, uh, about the fact that if there if white people are so great at writing stories about the black experience, where are the books? Where are those novels? Oh, they just they don't exist. If a, if a black woman had written this, I'd be like 100% behind it, but I can mm. tell you this. There's no way that, you know, in writing, they always tell you, write what you know. You know, you can't mm-hmm. authentic. Yeah. All she can write about is her experience as a girl who was raised by yeah. a really warm and wonderful black maid. But, Which uh, might have made an interesting story all by itself. All by itself. Honestly. But you don't need right. to go tell the other story. It reminds me a little bit of Kevin Costner with Dances with Wolves yeah. about how, and, and he has to take this central role where he's like the white savior and everybody else is just a racist asshole, but somehow it's, you know, it's it's pro-Native American and yes. uplift positive, when in fact it's actually a giant load of crap. Right. I agree. It's exactly like that. And it's like, we're, I'm telling, I'm a white guy, Michael Blake, who was a friend of mine at the time. I'm telling the story of these Native American peoples because I did all this research and I have all this compassion. I know all this stuff. and mm. But I can tell you that you can't know. Yeah, it's not your experience. And if you've ever been in a service position, like I was a janitor for a while, or if you've ever mm. been a caterer or a waitress or a bartender, you put on a show for people because you have to do your job. It benefits and, you for them to think that you like them. Yeah, and so as mm. you as their charge if you're their nanny you as their you know whatever master of the household if you're cleaning their house you're never going to get an, an idea of who they really are and no matter what you just can't so that's why i think the problem for the movie for me is that they are just these kind of um you know cardboard masks with on um, popsicle sticks that they hold up it's like <clears throat> these were the black women living in the civil rights movement and this one cares about her child going to college and this one mm-hmm. you know well, I don't even know what she does at home she looks at a picture of her dead son and you know this one well, it was especially I especially got that feeling when she was at the at the diner and the and the, the um 
the the guy at the diner leans over and says, "You need to go see. You need to go to her house right now. You need right. to go there and see what's going on at her house." And she walks in, and there's there's thirty black women in, oh, the, in the living room. Was... But they're all they don't have any personality. No, they're just all these. They're just they're just they're really just uh, extras. Yeah, the movie lost me there because it it fucked with my head. It made me cry because I felt mm-hmm. bad, but it also was yeah. like, you know, that's just so crazy. It's like they're putting the chickens in the in the hen house, you know. It just mm-hmm. was weird. Like they didn't seem like individuals. You would never portray white people that way. You know, you right. never would. You'd never put them all in a group in a room, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. Unless you don't know about their world, like when they made the movie Witness about the Amish and you, they didn't know about their mm-hmm. world, so they grouped them all together like that, you know. They were the, the big other. Difference, it's a, you know, Amish and black is a different. Is a is a whole lot of difference there, and being able to identify. You know, uh, this uh, this people were saying. You know, how come um, Brokeback Mountain could be written and directed by people who weren't gay and still be effective? It's just different. It's the, you can't compare gay and black. Right. It's a different experience. Although, if you say that, people will get really mad at you because a lot of them do think you can compare. I know, right? And which uh, we we mentioned before, we mentioned earlier. Um, uh, when I made a, a list earlier this year of uh, of the b- greatest uh, gay movies of the past 30 years, and uh, our readers helped uh, contribute uh, suggestions and everything, we didn't include the boys in the band. For one thing, it was outside the 30-year period, which automatically disqualifies it. But I wouldn't have included it anyway because I don't think that that's a that's a very flat, flattering or helpful portrayal of of gay people at all. It was one of the first gay movies, so of course it's a milestone. And and if you have, if you're going to write a book about gay cinema, you you can't leave it out. But it's not what I would consider. It's not the kind of movie you would take a guy who's um, having trouble, who's coming out, a teenager who's just coming out. You wouldn't take him to go see Boys in the Band. Hmm. That's not that's not the kind of image you want him to have of what gay people are, because it's it's all stereotypes that white that straight people can go see, and and feel like that they're trying to understand right. the gay experience. But really, it's just a collection of stereotypes, and it's really insulting. It's an insulting movie, I think. It's disgusting. It's repulsive. And uh, so, that, and not that the help is like that, but in a way, there's sort of the same situation. Um, um, it's the, the audience, the, the subject matter uh, is not intended for the people that the movie is, is, uh, purports to be about. Right. You know, like you said, it's, it's a movie about black people for white people, mm-hmm. is what yeah. you were saying before. I'm you know, really the, glad that I... Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly changing the subject, so maybe you can edit this part out, but there was a movie that came out last year called Night Catches Us, and it was a really small movie. I don't think it played in outside of L.A. in New York. I think it was probably video on demand, and then it quickly went to um, DVD, but mm-hmm. it was written and directed by a black woman, Tanya Hamilton, and mm-hmm. it had... A mainly black cast led by Anthony Mackie and Kerry Washington and um, it, it it took place in Philadelphia in the mid 70s and it was sort of about sort of the the repercussions of the Black Panther era many years later on this mm-hmm. on this particular neighborhood and this group of people dealing with some violent things that had happened like 10 years or so ago and it's just it no it didn't do very well at the box office hardly anybody saw it and i i'm not going to say it was the greatest movie ever made but we're talking about all these movies about um about 
about my, about minority groups not made by those groups or even really about mm-hmm. those groups. And this movie definitely was. Mm-hmm. And it, it had a great performances by Anthony Mackie and Kerry Washington. And mm-hmm. it's now streaming on Netflix. So I would recommend if anybody's got Netflix to just give it a spin. It's not going to be the mm-hmm. greatest movie you've ever seen. But it, it offers something that you just really don't see out of mainstream Hollywood movies. I'm glad you brought it up. When we did, when we decided a couple of days ago that we were going to do this podcast about the help, I was going to suggest that we, as an as a as an antidote, maybe that we could suggest a couple of uh, uh, movies that um, were genuine and authentic about the black experience. And I was going to name that one. Even, I've got it, but I haven't watched it yet. The reason I got it is because we had readers last year who were saying, "How come?" Um, um, Night Catches is not in the discussion. How come we're not hearing anything about Kerry Washington being 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 put forward as best actress? And these were these were our black readers. See, she mm, was robbed all around last year. She was yeah. great in three different movies last year mm-hmm. and didn't get a single bit of recognition. Even though For Colored Girls was not a great movie, she was excellent mm-hmm. in it. Um, mm-hmm. There was that other movie, um, um, Mother something, mm-hmm. the one about uh, uh, adoption. Oh yeah, mother, mother and child. Mother and child. She was yeah. awesome in that too, and yeah. it was completely overlooked. Well, I, you know, it's it's depressing, but it, you know, there is a thing just to say about Buzz and Heat. It's not mm-hmm. <clears throat> people never really the Buzz and the Heat are just follows, you know, who's popular at the moment, and it it doesn't really make it's not fair. It never is fair, and it's always yeah. alarming to look back at the people who were kind of left twisting in the wind when they gave such great performances. And that's the one reason why I, I will stand by the help until the end of the year is because I think that Viola Davis gives her best performance in the help. And I mm-hmm. don't think it's her responsibility to shoulder the burden of the black movement. And I don't think it's her um, responsibility to always take roles that just um, tell that story um, accurately, I don't think it's her responsibility right. as an actress. I no, you can't. You, you can't hold the movie against her just Mm-mm. because the movie is not very good. Um, you figure a she's a woman, so that automatically limits the number of great parts that she's offered, and also because she's black, and that limits it again. So the mm-hmm. fact that she's found a, a, a decent part, I think it's an. It's not, not only a it's de- not it's not written excellently as as a part, but she fully humanizes it and she's fantastic in it absolutely the movie would be nothing without her if she really makes the movie that's why i want so much for it to think to believe that the movie is about her and that she'll be she'll be put forward as as, as a lead, know, lead actress candidate and the thing is is that it's a movie with a black woman it's fucking number one at the box office i mean do you know mm-hmm. how rare that yeah. is it's like ghost was probably the last one <laughs> right. and that yeah. was all you know that was like white people but i just i'm so impressed and amazed by her and did you know she's in a bunch of steven soderbergh movies i don't know if you know this about her but she's like a repeat mm. steven soderbergh player and mm. um yeah she was she was great and a really small part in out of sight i was thinking about that she's she in out played, of sight um one of the character's sisters and i and i didn't know it at the, when i originally saw it because i didn't know who she was mm. when i said i rewatched it recently i'm like oh it's viola davis she's awesome yeah and she's great in um solaris she's a good part she's one of the best things That's right about solaris. um and she's in traffic she's in all right. three of those movies and um i don't know if she's in contagion or not but It'd be interesting to see. I just think she's a phenomenal actress. I think she was the best thing about Doubt in a mm-hmm. movie with a lot of great performances. Viola Davis yeah. stood out to me and fucking Oscar to went steal, to... To steal scenes from that cast, it takes a lot of talent. It takes a lot of screen presence to be oh, able to yeah. steal scenes she's from Meryl Streep. And she did it. 
Yeah, and so this movie is the closest she's going to come right now to a lead role and making money at the box office, and that's just unheard of. So I'm sorry that it's not, you know, the best thing in the world. I'm sorry that we haven't evolved forward. I'm sorry that we're still as weak as we are um, and as prejudiced as we are, you know, but I... I'm, you know, I'm happy for her, and I hope that it keeps making money, you know, for her. Well, and the category is not the best performance in the best movie. It's simply the best performance, and she's obviously given at least one of them so far this year. I don't, I, I have no idea what's coming up next, but yeah. And if Sandra Bullock can win for The Blind Side, oh, which please. was by far from a, a great movie in any by any stretch of the imagination, right. then why can't uh, why can't she win for this? I mean, I'm, and that beyond that, I mean, I, if uh, Jeff Bridges can win for Crazy Heart, was Crazy Heart that good? No. Was Crazy Heart such a good movie? I don't think so. No, yeah. and it's, it's, if the performance is good enough, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter, like Monster, Charlize Theron, you know, or, or yeah. Halle Berry in Monster's Ball, both of them in bad, kind of baddish movies, you know, but very right. good performances. It's, rare. it's hard to find a movie that doesn't have some kind of problem that's not going to be offensive or troublesome to somebody. I, I said, I'm, anybody that reads, that keeps up with the website is going to be hearing a lot of things that I've said in comments. But I mentioned uh, Silence of the Lambs. A lot of people were very disappointed in the fact that, that um, Buffalo Bill uh, was such a repulsive character. And why are always the gay, transgender characters such bizarre, freaky villains, you know? I'm sure you wouldn't use that movie as an example to a, to a transgender person. You wouldn't, let's go see Silence of the Lambs. And you feel better about yourself. Right. You know, that's an awful depiction. But that that doesn't mean that the movie that that, that doesn't have any, that doesn't have anything to do with the other performances or even with his performance, even with Ted Devine, Devine's performance. You know, it's great. <laughs> Ted Devine. It rubs the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> But I mean, what a memorable performance, though. You know, it's one of the, it's a really memorable performance. I know it is. But it is, the the part I pay attention to in the movie, because everybody was so so mad at Jodie Foster. It's like, Jodie, you're gay. How can you be so, how could you be in this movie? But she does say, I just want to say, because I've seen the movie maybe a hundred times and I know every line, but um, she does, they do say he's trying to be a transsexual. He doesn't know what he is. And they don't ever really come out and say that he's gay. Um, Right. Oh, I know. I don't think he's gay. I think it's something else. I mean, I I don't want to think, I don't want to think he's gay. I I would never even thought of that. But they're really careful. They do cover their tracks. If you listen closely, they do say he doesn't know what he is. He's trying. It's like, he's a very extreme transvestite. That's what he is. I mean, he looks. Says, she technically says, speaking, he's an yeah. extreme transvestite. Well, <laughs> she says Lectra's a transvestite, and he says, um, he says, no, that's wrong, because he's not a transvestite. He's, well, he, you know, he takes human skin and he wears it. And mm. well, Ed Gain did that, and that's who the character's sort of based on, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though they have the scene where he dresses up and he dances in front of the mirror and everything, but uh-huh. would you fuck me? <laughs> I'd fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie so much. But no, it's, you know, so... So compared to that, I Love Me from Fried Chicken is pretty good. And, you know, it's not bad at all compared to... Oh, God, did you have to to bring it up? We were all in a happy place. And then you brought up that line again. (laughs) Sorry. I'm just saying that, you know, not every movie is going to make everybody happy, but that doesn't mean that there's not some extraordinary things about movies that, that shouldn't be shouldn't be honored and shouldn't be recognized and acknowledged. And, and I'm so glad that I saw it just for the performances, the help I am talking about. I'm glad I saw it because it absolves me of all guilt for racism. I feel so much better. <laughs> And you know what? You know, I'm 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 gonna have to say that I didn't like I I'm, I'd, uh, Skeeter kind of 
it bothered me. Skidder was kind of annoying. And even though I know that you liked uh, um, Allison, Allison Janey. Yeah. Yeah, you like her character. I I, I thought she was I thought she was evil. I thought she was horrible. I thought she was terrible. She was evil. They tried it. They tried to persuade you. The performance you. was terrible, or the character. Was no, terrible. the character. I mean, the performance yeah. was great. The performance was the character was, was excellent. Horrible. Was, yeah. What I didn't like about her character is that she was evil one second, and then she was a saint in the very exactly. end. Just to, yeah, and I and they they had to they had to enhance her sainthood by giving her cancer. So of course you got to feel sorry for right. her for that reason, right? And and another thing, she told Skeeter that she told Skeeter how courageous. She is. Come on! In this movie, you're going to tell a what, little white girl that she's the courageous one. Exactly. Right. She's right. not courageous. No. She, she was never under threat of anything except her friends not right. liking her. You know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, the horror. So I was, I'm going to say that the only white character in the movie at all that I liked was Celia uh, Laporte, was a uh, um, um, who played who's played by uh, Jessica Chastain, right? Yeah. Correct. She she's my. Good. She's the only white character in the movie I could. T- I can stand. The really the only one I found interesting. Really the only only interesting character I think. Wasn't she great? I liked Sissy Spacek too more because of the performance than necessarily the character. She's always she, great. She, yeah. she was more yeah. set. She was more set dressing in the movie, but I thought right. Sissy was very entertaining, and I wish right. she was basically she played a comic part, and I think she should do more comedies. She's wonderful. Yeah. She's so great in that. It was just great to see her on screen at all. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Well, it was even, it was even great to see uh, Cicely Tyson. Oh, God. Incredible. I mean, she. I mean, even though people have complained about that role because it's it's such so much the almost. Uh, she's a really skinny Hattie McDaniel. She's the mammy, you know, and mm. and even 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 um, period wise, even. Yes, but aren't they all the been. mammy though? They're all the mammy because the, the way right, yeah. the, the characters are True. viewed, they're viewed yeah. as they take care of our children, they clean our houses, yeah. they cook our food. Uh-huh. That's it. But I mean, she. Yeah. I mean, I'm we just saying, do, though, that Cicely Tyson was incredible. So I thought she did a great job. I did, even too. That, that but but did, did you see any of the other, any of the black characters in, involved in any other interests except taking care of the white people? Mm-mm. They had no romantic life whatsoever. The one person who had any kind of relationship with her husband, um, the only reason that she had a husband was so he could beat her, really. You know, that's the really, it was the only plot function. <laughs> that's another thing about the movie is black guys didn't come across too well in the movie either. There was no. the one, the off-camera abusive husband, there yeah. was a reverend, and then there was the silent houseboy. And that was pretty much the only black right. char- male characters except for the references to Medgar Evers, which don't really count. It's so true. I mean, where were all the black men? It's it's their story too, and yet, I appreciated the Medgar Evers, um, uh, the way it was handled. Like I said, it was bet- it was it was given more screen time and featured more prominently than I expected it to be. But at the same time, my friend who's standing right next to me, who's black and who's he he went to high school in Detroit, so he should have some pretty good grounding in black history. When they stopped the bus and they told the black people to get off the bus because somebody had been shot, he leaned over to me. He said, "Who who got shot? Who was it? Who got shot?" He didn't even follow the movie. Didn't make it clear enough to him mm. that it was Medgar Evers who got shot. Mm. Right. He, I mean, maybe he was just maybe he was just looking away and he didn't catch it. But I don't know how. To me, it was it was kind of vague too. I mean the. They didn't really play it up enough that it was right down the street. It was right around the corner from where they were in, in the same city where all right. this was happening. It seemed like it was a world away. He seemed When they showed him on TV, it didn't seem like that it was happening in their town to me. Yeah. I mean, I one woman at our, our little mother-daughter dinner that we had where this movie was brought up, brought up, and when I told them about, you know, how a lot of, you know, 
feminist black writers were kind of upset by the movie. I guess that's putting it mm-hmm. mildly, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> she said, you know, what I found about <clears throat> that resonated with me was how in L.A. we have this really strong Latino, Latina, Hispanic um, culture, you know, um, kind of workforce, this invisible mm. workforce. At the same time, we have this hate against immigrants, um, mm. illegal immigration, but really it's about the Mexicans, let's face it. It's not about anybody mm. else. And mm-hmm. But there are nannies, there are housekeepers, there are cooks, there are busboys, there are gardeners. You know, they're everywhere. And yet we treat them like crap. And she said that that, about the help, she said that that was going to bring some sort of understanding to audiences because they do kind of deal with that, you know, all the time. This this idea of mm. the help, not necessarily, I mean, not necessarily a black civil rights movement, but just right. the mm-hmm. help, you know. The and, movie's, and, right. and movie's under, not called the black help, it's just called the help. Yeah, yeah. the mm. underclass that we ignore that are good mm. enough to raise our children, but they're not good enough to sit at our table and they're not good enough to be treated as human beings, you know. That'll resonate really well in, in Los Angeles especially and right. really, really well with the Academy members because, you know, they're probably, I mean, I don't think you guys have Latino help coming in to clean your house probably, right? Either of you. I, I've so never a, had a housekeeper of any kind of any color. Right. And uh, so it's probably really going to resonate with the voters. Is that, if that's, is that what she meant? That's Well, she didn't mean Oscar because I don't think she was talking about that, but oh. she was talking oh. about herself. She was herself. just looking at the positive aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Everybody at that table had has La- Latina housekeeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If the movie had hit that point harder and more often, and if it had told a real story instead of a, of a made-up one, mm-hmm. I think I would be a lot more happy with it. Hmm. Because that message was there. I mean, they, they pointed out that the 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 white children had advantages that the, the black caretakers were never going to have, that yeah. their own children were never going to have. Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't know, maybe I'm Captain Obvious and need to have that shoved down my throat. <laughs> they, they needed Obvious. to push that button a little harder, I think. <laughs> No, you're right. No, they, they they needed to push a lot of those buttons harder, and I'm I was disappointed every time that they didn't. But I, in a way, though, I was so relieved to see any of it mm-hmm. because I was I, I went in expecting the worst, and I really I halfway through, like I said, I I t- turned to my friend. I could tell you so uncomfortable. I thought we were going to walk out. I'm really glad we didn't because um, it, the movie turned around for me when it started to at least. At least show a little bit of the danger. At least give you a sense, a little bit of the, some of the sense of danger uh-huh. that, that the that the first part of the movie totally was oblivious to. Even though, uh, even it was it was pretty tame. I guess it has to be for PG thirteen. But for for example, she runs home from the bus that night and she falls down uh, in the gravel, face just falls flat of her face in the gravel. You never, you know. Then she she's fine though. You never even you know see any scraped knee or nothing you know so that, that that even you wouldn't expect really to make to them to have a, a, a shot showing that she's all skin up but at the same time that's a good example for me of not showing any consequences of the violence right. somebody can fall out of their face but they're really fine she's fine mm. the danger's there when the plot needs drama but it, it yeah. does it doesn't ever really get out of hand yeah um when when uh when celia notices that Minnie has a a bruise on her eye. She saw it before I did. I didn't even, I'd watched that whole scene. I didn't notice that her eye was beat up, you know, until she pointed it out that, oh, you, you're, I know you didn't fall in the tub. Let me dab that with a, with a washcloth, you know. Yeah. I hadn't even noticed it. It was so subtle. 
I really have to say that I liked that story. I liked the Celia story. I love that story. That's what I'm saying. That's why she's my favorite white character. I know. I like how she was. I wish it had been more about them. She was not good enough. You know, I liked her drunk scene at the party. I liked how she was with the maid. I just thought that she yeah. was believable and interesting and not condescending. And I liked the e- the equality between the two of them, how they could really talk mm-hmm. to each other. Um, I, I think that they that was a good part of the story for me. It was that, and I have to say, I, I agree it. with Craig. Like I, I was watching it and I was reacting to it the whole way through. It had me the whole way. It wasn't until later that I started to think about it, that it started to settle in, that I thought I felt uncomfortable about the way that it was portraying these these um, black maids as though you know we could really understand what it was like and mm-hmm. what a serious subject it really is and how it can't be kind of glossed over like that, you know. It's not fair. It's not fair, and yet this is what the reality we're living in. This is the world we're living in. Um, it's a you know the the audiences are white. The money is. That's the only kind of movie that's going to get made, right? I mean, if it doesn't, if it doesn't, if it's not structured like this, with so much um, with the white people as really the center of the story, uh, then it's not the movie wouldn't even be made. Yeah, that's why everybody needs to rent Night Catches Us. <laughs> Night Catches Us, and I just want to say a bit about Spike Lee, if I may. I haven't Go really written about him, and I w- I've been thinking about him a lot lately, in terms of Oscar. And um, I feel like Spike Lee was given a really bad rap because he was painted as the angry black man, where another white filmmaker making the same movies would never have been accused of being a, an angry black man. And I think it made him. Um, kind of the Academy phobic about him because mm. his movies especially do the right thing but Malcolm X and um, yeah, Inside Man Inside Man, I love Inside Man yeah. I um, just feel like um, what they did to Spike Lee in the last since the 80s, so that's what 30 mm-hmm. years, is right. shameful because right. he is, was a strong black filmmaker with a voice who wasn't mm-hmm. afraid to say what he thought. And yet, somehow, the fact that he didn't get attention from the Oscars diminished him in the industry. And mm-hmm. it put, kind of put him in his place. And for some reason this year, with the help, I'm thinking about Spike Lee again. I'm thinking about why he never got the credit he deserved and what happened to him as a filmmaker and how the sort of the white majority turned against him. And thinking about Obama and how Obama can't come off as the angry black man because he will lose white votes if he does that. And right. mm-hmm. how the, the people in the help and the and the guy in the blind side, they have to keep their heads bowed because we're so afraid of black rage, aren't we? We're mm-hmm. so afraid mm-hmm. of black male rage and black female rage. We're afraid of them. And so, black sexuality, black male sexuality, and, especially someone. But female uh, too, right? Some, yeah. You just never see that. You never see a really... Uh, Think of all the hot sexual relationships you see between white people on the screen. Never anything even remotely compared comes close to that. Oh my God! Can you imagine a black guy taking off his fucking pants on his? (laughs) 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 Excuse me while I whip this out. (laughs) Yeah, you know it was like joked about in the '70s and talked about. It's so not anymore. Uh You know. Um, part of it is the fear of offending, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but also it's just, it, we, we do live with that fear every day. And I just would like to say that Spike Lee is 
to me, one of the greatest American film directors. The fact that he's struggling to get a movie made and mm -hmm. can't even get the sequel to the very successful Inside Inside Man done mm -hmm. is just, it's astounding. I mean, yeah. watching Do the Right Thing Again after all these years, it's, it's no less powerful today, I think, than it was back then. Oh, God, and, I know. And, and Hollywood still hasn't caught up to it. No, and, and Tate Taylor and on the strength of uh, on the strength of the help. Tate Taylor is, is I think they're looking at him to direct uh, *Peace Like a River*, which is like a beloved. I haven't read it, but it's like a beloved children's story, a children's classic of some sort, right? *Peace Like a River*. Have mm, you guys definitely. heard about that? I'm totally no. out of my element. I have no idea. Me either. You're out of your element. Um, <laughs> but but I mean, he he's gonna he's gonna really ride the crest of this. He's gonna have a great career, probably. This Tate Taylor guy, who none of us have even heard no, of. No, I know. Spike of course, Lee, it's, can't get it's it. just like can't in get. the movie The Help. Skeeter's the one who goes on to have this great career. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Does anyone else? Yeah, I hate to say. So yeah, it's 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 a weird kind of conflicting. I think we're all both of all three of us are feeling conflicting things about this movie. It's not just one thing because you know we all agree that that viola davis and octavia spencer shouldn't be the ones that have to bear the brunt of this right mm -hmm. in fact yeah, they they in fact they save it they redeem it and they take probably um they take characters that really are very difficult probably to play play this and, ca and carry it off without being even worse you know right when you, when you think about it and the same but the same goes for sissy spacek i think that she she and and uh uh, Jessica Chastain really did a lot for the movie too to elevate it beyond what was probably on the page. If it weren't for them, I doubt we'd even be talking about it. It wouldn't be worth it. That's right, exactly. And so that's why they was, deserve the recognition. And I don't even think that they would have signed on to do this movie if they didn't see what they could make of it. Because they, they have conscience, right? They would not make something that they didn't feel like was going to be um, hurtful to right. people that they know. Right. Yeah, well, uh, and the other thing is, is great parts are few and far between for any woman, yeah. for older women, and especially for minorities um, and black mm -hmm. women. And a part like this comes along. I mean, this is a, a great part. I'm sure Viola Davis was over the moon to get this, you know. Mm, sure. Um, it's, you know, it, it, but, but the good thing about it is that it does bring up the dialogue. It does get people talking and thinking about this stuff. And that is really good, you know? It is good. I mean, it's a shame that this didn't happen. Like we said, it's a shame the movie was not made in 1968 or even 1978. But at least it is made now. And so it's a, it's a, it, since it's been successful, maybe it will open the door to the next thing. Yeah. Just like I hate, I might hate Boys in the Band, but it did open a door there. It opened a door to what eventually became movies like Brokeback Mountain, which wouldn't have been made if somebody hadn't taken that first step to make it a little bit palatable so that some so that people could see there was potential there yeah. for it on film. And I know we're all feeling like it's a shame that this movie doesn't, that, you know, that it is 2011 and we have a black president. It's not like we mm -hmm. really need that door to be niggled open, you know? Yeah. It's open, baby. It's kicked down. You had to choose that word. You had to say niggle open. What? <laughs> Sorry. For better or for worse, I'm glad the conversation about this movie seems to have matured from 
the way it was at the very beginning when it first came out. There was a, the movie came out, it got decent reviews, but then there was a group of people who made it seem like you were racist if you liked it, and then there was this backlash mm-hmm. to that argument saying that mm-hmm. you're racist if you think people who like it are racist, and that's mm-hmm. just so absurd to me. Right. And I didn't even want to go there and talking about it because I don't think that's I think that that just limits the conversation, and I like I. I, I hope, with our conversation at least, that we we went beyond that a little bit. Yeah. I hope Even so though too. I was pretty much an asshole about the movie the entire evening. You weren't. It's not possible you for you to be. Only if we're yeah. talking about like romantic relationships. I'm <laughs> 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 just kidding. <laughs> but do we want to talk about um, our best movies of the year, or do we feel like we shot our wad? I, it shouldn't be too hard because really I have, there aren't, haven't been that many movies that I've been too crazy about, even the movies that everyone else is crazy about. And I know you're, you're both, you're both going to say Midnight in Paris, and you know that I'm not too fond of it. And so I really can't, you know. <laughs> I'm not, I, it's okay. I liked it well enough, but it was just I can't understand what the big deal is. I can't understand why everybody's so over the moon about it. It didn't even seem like it was even that much about Paris to me. I mean, you know, I could barely even tell it was in Paris. It was all in hotel rooms and restaurants. To me, it was about a fantasy of Paris, and mm-hmm. that, that was why it appealed to me. I kind of felt like the movie was made just for me. I didn't, think, I didn't think of it as being made for anybody else, and I was actually surprised that it has wound up being Woody Allen's most popular movie ever in terms, mm-hmm. in terms of box office haul, not adjusted for inflation. But, um, well, I'm happy for him for that reason. I want, I would like for him to go out on a high note like that. You know, I would like, I, and I'm, I'm always happy for any movie to be successful. And I'm happy for any for people to enjoy going to the movies. Just like, even though we might kind of, kind of, I know not just might, but we do mock the fact that we, that the people who go to see The Help and The Blind Side are a certain demographic, and not the kind of people we party with. Right. But I'm glad that they make movies for people like that. Those people have as they, these these ladies were dressed up like I'm not kidding to go to church to go see the help because it was an event for them that they rarely get to do nowadays because they don't want they don't like most of the movies that that um, that are produced so they don't get a chance to go out and and with a group of girls and see a movie like this anymore. These are not the movie the ladies that were going to go see Sex in the Cities. No way. Hmm. No. And. Uh, but anyway, um, what I'm saying is that I'm glad that there. I'm glad that people are enjoying Midnight in Paris, even though I, I, I just kind of didn't too much. I think that's part of what appeals to me about it as well is that it's aimed at a, at an older audience than yeah. the typical yeah. summer movie. And the fact that it came mm-hmm. out right at the beginning of summer, I kind of yeah. lumped it in with those kinds of lightly entertaining movies. And for me, it was I, definitely lightly entertaining, but it also had an, it had an emotional resonance to it as well. Oh, for absolutely. Me. For me, it was like, um, as a, you know, devotee of Woody Allen, um, mm-hmm. loving him for my whole life, my whole life, I've been following this man and mm-hmm. his movies have meant so much to me. You know, they pretty much defined my life <laughs> up until, mm-hmm. you know, husbands and wives, which it kind of shifted and I stopped sort of looking at him as the greatest filmmaker ever. I still think he's one of the greatest minds of our of our um, generation, not generation. Mm-hmm. He's not of my generation, but he is a great thinker, I think, and a brilliant writer and philosopher. But and One, one of the great living filmmakers. Living filmmaker and thinker. Yeah. And what I love about Midnight yeah. in Paris is that he makes this point to say that, you know, nostalgia is not what it's cracked up to be. And that's sort mm-hmm. of like anti everything he's always said in his movies. 
and anti mm. this idea of we can never go back to these great times, you know, and I think that's a really important thing to know in life is that, you know, it's true that whatever time you're living in, that's the time. And that's the right. message of Midnight in Paris is, you know, love your time because you might wish you were back in the 60s or the 70s or, you know, even the 1900s. The 1800s was a great time to live. But, you know, now is it. Because in he, 20- sort, he sort of has it both ways, though. He he acknowledges the now and raises the now up above anything else, and yet there's still that strong pull of nostalgia. He's not suggesting that you completely let go of it, but maybe just to let it sort of guide you or, or maybe to help flavor your appreciation of the present. Yeah, I think so, and I think if you're a young person watching that movie, you're not really going to know what he means by let go of it. I think you're going to appreciate the nostalgia of it because when you're young, you're like, oh, Paris in the 20s was so great. And But as you get older and you start to realize the kind of heavy toll that nostalgia takes on you and how hard it is to live your life when you're with this burden of nostalgia. <laughs> oh, my God. If I could only go back to the 80s, you know, my life mm-hmm. would be complete. But It's self-limiting to do that. Absolutely. And you waste every minute of your life by doing that. So that's what I loved about the movie, other than the fact that it was wonderfully written and, you know, Marianne Cotillard is great and the guy who plays Hemingway is great. I've only seen it one time and for me that's, you know, usually I see a Woody Allen movie at least five times. It's rare for me to run out and see a movie again the second time and I saw it again the next week after it came out Hmm. and uh, it was just as good the second time. I thought... um, Owen Wilson was fantastic as the sort of the Woody oh, Allen surrogate. He he added a different shading to it than what you normally get. He he lost that. He he added sort of a a softer California edge to it instead oh, yeah. of the more cynical East Coast edge. And um, it was just really, just it really worked. Did you happen to I listen liked to? Um, I like I like. I like the. I'm, I'm sorry. The, who, no. who, who played Hemingway? Who was the, the actor? We should name. We should mention his name because I thought he was the the best part of the movie. It was me. wonderful. I, I can't remember offhand, but he was great. It was like his first look it thing. You guys continue talking oh, since, I was, you, since yeah, you, I was you love it so s- much, and I'll look it up. I'll do the work while you guys <laughs> get off on this. No, I was, gonna, I was gonna say that um, that. Uh, uh, Craig, did you happen to listen to the interview that Woody Allen did on the like? They sent out a kind of a press release junket of him talking to um, a couple of journalists in New York. I think David Edelstein was one, and um, they he talked about Owen Wilson and hiring him and how he wasn't his first choice. He was going to pick somebody who was more like the typical kind of characters he picks, you know. Mm-hmm. He called it like New York, kind of East Coast intellectual type. And, and he's like, and then he thought of Owen Wilson, he's like, and he's a beach cobber. <laughs> 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 He's a beachcomber. Such a Woody Allen thing to say, which is funny because yeah. he's not because he's from Texas. I know, so cute though. But he but he has that surfer dude kind of thing going on. He does. I loved him in that part. He might be my favorite like non Woody Allen male character that ever yeah. played a Woody Allen character. Like you know, I didn't go for John Cusack, and I didn't you know, it's like. Owen Wilson sort of captured what it is he's going for with that dreamy, funny, you know. Um, in the moment kind of thing. You know, What's the buzz? Is he going to get nominated? No. Or does he not have a chance? No chance. That sucks. Yeah. I, I loved the way, the, the matter-of-fact way combined with this, this sort of 
awe that he had in dealing with this, this weird situation that he found himself in. Hmm. Um, just the way he, he just kind of rolled over him, and he was just like, he was like a little kid in a candy store. It was great. I know. I agree. I mean, he, who wouldn't want to go and do what he was doing? Just And that is all down to him. I mean, right. if it had been some other performer, you might not have felt like you wanted to go down that road, you know, right. take that trip, you know, but he just let it wash over him. And, and plus, for the first time, you could really see the difference between Rachel McAdams and him. You know, right. usually it's like Woody Allen tries to convince you that this person is with the wrong person, but they don't really necessarily look like the wrong person, you know. No, but this this was clear. Yeah. It, um... It's so clear that you wonder why he didn't see it sooner. Yeah, you know, you know I, I, well, I that was my problem been. with the movie is why is he not picking up on this sooner? We all notice it after five minutes. I think the movie would have been a little stronger if if Rachel McAdams' character had been at least a little bit less of a bitch, and that the choice between his fantasy of Paris and her had been a little less clear cut. Yeah, yeah. you mean like gorgeous young French girl. Um, that he ends up with versus yeah. <laughs> bitchy. Yeah, yeah, right. I know. At the same time, though, I loved Rachel McAdams because it's the first time I can think of where she she wasn't allowed to rely on her innate cuteness in order to carry the role. It was a totally different part than anything that I've seen her in. So that was very refreshing. I know. I just think she's so great. She always surprises me. I love her in Mean Girls, for instance. But, um, you know... Everything I've seen her in, she and I didn't used to feel this way about her, uh, but lately I've come to to appreciate her versatility. I think she really dives right in. Um, apparently, she's a pain in the ass to work with. Though. That's what I heard. For real? <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. So maybe she's a real bitch. <laughs> she doesn't seem like it. I went to the 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 uh, Midnight in Paris press day in L.A. And obviously they're all putting on an act anyway. They want you to think they're a certain way. And it's all part of the performance. But she did a very convincing job of of seeming just as adorable in real life as she does on the screen. Oh, did she? Yeah. I'm sure it was a total snow job, but I felt (laughs) that. Well, who knows? You never know how these rumors get started. You know, sometimes it's just some disgruntled person who wants to ruin someone's career, you know? Yeah. Some bitchy grip or something. Yeah, you can never. Maybe she's just really. Uh, maybe she's just really professional and really demanding once on set. But that. But the way that people act on the job is not really the way they are necessarily. Their personality. Right. I don't know. I can. I haven't heard the story, so I don't know what what they're saying about her. Yeah. No, me either. I just heard it as a rumor. But you know, you just can never trust those things because you never know who who's you know behind it. Who has what to gain by tearing mm, her down? That's right. I did see, I did watch uh, Sherlock Holmes again on HBO a couple of weeks ago, and she's the best thing about that movie, I think, to me. I mean, oh God, I, I, I can't believe you actually watched it. That movie was just a, a lot of noise to me the first time I saw it, and just really uh, aggravated me in so many ways, but I liked her in that movie. Oh my God, I could never watch that movie. <laughs> I fell asleep about a third of the way in. I, it, it wasn't necessarily the movie's fault. I was exhausted. No, but it's I still I fell asleep, and then I woke up, and I'm like, okay, I can't review this movie now because I've missed part of it, so I just bolted. It was the first time I've walked out of a movie since I was in college. You didn't miss, you didn't miss much. It's, it's, like, it's, it's virtually incoherent. It is so jumbled and, and, oh. and just nothing but just nonstop set pieces. That's too bad because I like the cast. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Oh, well, you can't have everything. You can't have everything in life. 
I did like the first four minutes of Midnight in Paris a lot. I liked before anybody started talking. I liked it a whole lot. Just that montage. Just the, and I think the cinematography was beautiful. With the Sydney Bichette clarinet on the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really lovely. And I thought, oh, I'm going to love this. I really was all just just tingling because I thought I was going to love it so much and then didn't. I hate when that happens and you're totally yeah. into something and then it just drops the ball. Yeah. Well, I could tell you that I'd like, here are the other movies think, that I've seen that yeah. I liked, but it's it's sort of unfair because I've seen them at festivals. So it's kind of like I'm being lame, but I'll be lame. So Go ahead. Drive is really good. I've seen it twice. Mm-hmm. It's got, it's not perfect. You know, it has some issues. Have you seen it yet, Craig? Drive? Yeah, I'm going to be the only guy who didn't like it, and, oh, I, and I'm, I'm I'm already pissed off. Well, I could see why. <laughs> I, though. I hate being that guy. I, know. I really do. I hate being that guy too, or that girl. But I, I kind of the second time through, I did notice, you know, like it's not the perfect move. But but there were things about it that I love enough that I'm gonna, you know, that it's probably going to be one of my favorites of the year. Um, and Tree of Life. What do we think about Tree of Life? Loved Tree of Life. Right. Even I have reservations about it. I still don't know uh, everything that it was completely about, but I like actually that mystery, and I like the fact that I'm having to think about it still. Yeah, that's what I liked about it, the mystery. I, I was disappointed in the ending. Um, A lot of people were. They didn't like the uh, holding hands by the river business, and I thought that was just fine. That's okay. It was the God stuff, the angels in heaven and all that. Spoiler. Yeah, that's what I mean. When they, you mean when they were on the beach? No, when they're all in heaven. Yeah, on the beach. Right, on the beach. Yeah, that didn't, that didn't bother me at all. Mm. Sean Penn is not too happy with it, I guess, right? Yeah, what mm. do you guys think about Sean Penn throwing Terrence Malick under the bus? I think he's right. I mean, I think he's probably just mad, you know, because he uh, mm. he his, he got such short amount of screen time, and you're wondering what the hell was Sean Penn even doing in this movie? Yeah, it could have been anybody. Mm. You know, it could have been anybody. It didn't have to be him, and I'm sure he was mad about that. But I also think that yeah. he genuinely felt that the screenplay that he read was better than what he saw on screen, and that's the danger with reading screenplays before you see movies, because which mm. actors have to do, but. I found when I've read them that the movies very rarely can live up to the screenplay. Well, and I think with Terrence Malick, if he were able to perfectly articulate in a screenplay what he's thinking, he would write a novel instead of making a movie. Yeah. There's other mm-hmm. elements that come into the movie that you can't necessarily express in a screenplay. And Just yeah. his filming technique, you know that he's just so much on the fly. He does, from what I've heard, from what I've read, the, the way he films, he's, he wants to be able to move the camera anywhere at, the, at a moment's notice, just whatever suits, uh, whatever is happening, yeah. he wants to catch it. And, and it's not always on the page there. And so when you do that, you end up with a lot of time, a lot of footage that you want to include that wasn't necessarily in the script. I'm sure Sean Penn probably realizes and probably is right that there are some great scenes and some great moments he had that, that we'll never see. Right. And so that's bound to be disappointing. Unless we they come out with the fable. Isn't there like a four-hour cut of the film somewhere? I that would love that. I hope the editor so. I was hope talking about. Yeah. I hope that, that's that'll true. That'll come out on DVD eventually. Well, I mean, I feel like the movie, after seeing it in Cannes, which I only saw it once, but I'm, I'm thinking that um, it's not quite the masterpiece that it wants to be. Like, it's just a little bit shy of being the greatest film that you, you know. And... I think it's so beautiful. It's a work of art. Like I think it's 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 as powerful as a painting or a great photograph that you could hang on the wall. You know, to me that's what it is. It's it's mm-hmm. it's a great work of art. It's a great interpretation of the human experience. 
but as a movie, I feel like it just there's just one little tiny thing about it that I can't quite put my finger on that makes me that keeps me from absolutely loving it. You know, um, not my well, biggest, my biggest, the, it doesn't follow any of the usual narrative um, patterns, and so in that way, it's different from almost any other movie I can think of, except for it's not like an experimental film, really. Yeah. The one, the, I think it's too early to call whether it's going to be considered a masterpiece or not. That for me is a word that I save for years down the road. I may yeah. decide in ten years that it's a piece of crap. I don't think that I will, but it's possible that I'm I'm not going to make that call yet. But the one thing that didn't, it it didn't quite have the emotional punch for me that. Um, the New World did, which I know I'm not a lot of people were super crazy about that one either, but that one devastated me, and I didn't get the same kick from this one, which is what I wanted, but part of that right. was, was the enormous expectations that I went into it with, because the when I saw, um, I saw The New World, it was the longer cut that played around Christmas time in New York and LA before he took it back out and then re-edited it a little bit and released it, and it was the most uh, powerful in theater experience I've had with a movie that I can remember, and this movie was never ever going to live up to that. So I'm not sure if I my expectations were just out of whack, or if it really just didn't quite deliver, or what. But I I look forward to revisiting it again over and over. All of his movies improved for me on on repeat viewings and with the passage of time. Yeah. I think that they all seem like that they're they're almost otherworldly when you first see them. They just don't even seem like of this earth. Even the ones that are more typically narratively familiar, like uh, Days of Heaven or even Badlands, you know, uh, they they age really really well. His movies do, I think, and I think that they improve with age. And I think that's what's going to happen with with Tree of Life for me. Let's see it again. I hope so. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I would like to see it again. I don't know if I could actually sit through it again, though, to tell you the truth. Oh, no, really? <clears throat> I've only seen it once. I've resisted the going back. I, I want to, but I'm I'm also afraid. And in fact, with um, The New World, I didn't see it again till much, much later on video. And it's like I was afraid that I would watch it again and the magic would be gone and that it, it would be revealed to not right. be as great as I thought it was. And I didn't want to ruin that amazing experience that I had, so I stayed away from it. Right. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that Tree of Life gets better with each viewing, that you notice more. That's what I'm hoping right. about it. That's why I will force myself to watch it again, even though by the end... Because of the way it ended, it felt to me like it was a cop out. You know, Let's, was, um, I don't know what you're about to say, but we, you know, how people are about spoilers. Oh well, I didn't say how it ends. Yeah. I'm just okay. Saying I know it. you didn't say anything. I know you. I'm just saying don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> saying how it ends. I'm just it, saying that, it out. And it doesn't even matter because in this movie, it's like it's yeah. all one stream of you know. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. I mean, like, <clears throat> no, no, it's okay. So it's okay. It's good that you say that. No, it, believe I, me. I think people are taking the ending too literally. And I think that's what that's what ruins it for him. But I think it's the fault of the people who are taking it that literally. I think it means something different than what people presume that it means. Hmm. 
The reason I say that, though, is because even though it's, it, uh, you saw it in, in Cannes and, and it's been out for a long time, it never made it to a lot of places. Now, a lot of people are going to have to wait to see this movie on DVD and Blu-ray because it never got the re release, wide release that it was supposed to. I had to drive 90 minutes to see it, and, and I almost didn't because it made me mad that it didn't come to my town. It's just so funny how people are. Like, I remember last year everybody was talking about Blue Valentine and how great it was and how emotional mm -hmm. it was and what an exceptional film it was and talking, talking, talking about it. And I was in the library the other day, and this guy, like, took out Blue Valentine. He put it on. He's like, he could stand it for, like, 15 minutes, and then he turned it off. It's, like, <laughs> I, it's really hard for me he to imagine. He was watching it. He was watching it, what, on, like in the on library? His, on his laptop, you know, with headphones. Oh, okay, yeah. And he was just like, you know, what the fuck is this? <laughs> he shut it. And it's just so funny, like, I can see people with Tree of Life, you know, putting it on and going, what the fuck is this? this is people have oh, that reaction in theaters. Especially yeah. the Academy. They you know, can you imagine the Academy, the, vote, the Academy voters? They're not going to be patient I'm, so with it. So it's sad to say, I just don't think they're going to have a patience no for way. it. No way. Not a chance. I'm surprised yeah. that the some of the gurus of gold predicted it for Best Picture because no way. I mean, I know Fox Searchlight is powerful, but give me a break. It's After 15 happen. minutes, they're going to shut that thing off, you know, and they'll put on the help. It could, it could be something that may be that they, I don't even know, though. I started to say it might be one, of the, it might be the lone director movie. You Maybe it stands yeah. at least a chance for that. That's possible. But, for the, for the, it's not nominated for Best Picture, but maybe gets the Best Director now. Yeah, that's possible for sure. Yeah, that sucks because Brad Pitt was great in that movie. He was. And Whatever so was... else you think about the dinosaurs and the and the inexplicable Sean Penn part and the supernovas and all the other stuff, Brad Pitt was fantastic. And he was. The whole the whole dynamic with that family we just. The, um, hit so close to home for me it was incredible i loved the dinosaurs and the supernovas i did too i loved sitting there and watching that movie i mean it was really a trip you know it's a trip it's like a 70s trip it's like going to the planetarium i was going to say it's as trippy as 2001 a space odyssey in that way you know yeah. the way that it the, it the shifts that it that it puts you through that you're that's so unexpected mm -hmm. that you're not used to seeing that kind of thing in a movie yeah well i think that its purpose was similar with with having those mm -hmm. elements it was trying to it was trying to encapsulate the whole continuum of life in <laughs> over the course of an of a single movie and sort mm -hmm. of try and give you the power of it and i don't know yeah, I mean, and I appreciate what he does as an artist, you know. Sure, I, the ambition alone. Yeah. Appreciate what he does as an artist. I'm not sure that 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 art can translate into film the way that people, you know, shell out their hard-earned cash for for film, you know. No, but you need people. I think. I mean, there, there's enough movies that are made every year just for people who want to shell out their hard-earned cash. That there right. needs to be people who are trying to raise the bar of art and even if they stumble and fall on their faces and a lot of people have legitimate arguments about about tree of life doing just that i think you still have to tip your hat to them oh i so agree with you on that with tree of life i mean i love that terrence malick is his own um artist and that he did and made the movie he wanted to make you know and not, I mean, I'm sure we're going to have listeners. People are going to be listening to this and probably feeling sick to their stomach that we're talking about the help maybe actually winning Best Picture and the Tree of Life maybe not even being nominated. That's going to make some people really ill to think about because of the fact that just the ambition and the, and the scope and the, and the talent really in the artistry that goes into it mm. is just on a different level entirely. But it's, that doesn't 
it's not Oscar. Well, the thing it's about the, the Tree of Life that it didn't, it doesn't, it doesn't have those like ten um, scores of a hundred percent on Metacritic that you thought it would have, you know. So mm -hmm, I don't know yeah. that it's going to hit that way. Like I don't know that it's going to be the film that all the critics rally behind. Um, that's an overall 85 on Metacritic I'm seeing right now. That's not a bad score, you know. No, that's, that's, but it's that's, not up in the 90s, you know. It's not. No. It's not up in the 90s. It's okay, but it's not great. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not like The Hurt Locker or Wally. -E. Right. True. They're going to be there. Will, there will be movies. Probably there will be other movies that we'll see um, in or November, or December that will that will mm. pass it. But right now, I'm looking at the Metacritic scores, the best of the year, and it looks like because I'm refreshing my memory about which of these are my favorite, and I don't see any other American-made films that are higher than than, except for Harry Potter. Harry Potter had an 87. That's and, amazing. And, That's amazing. I know. And Harry Potter is as not is as nonsensical as Tree of Life. You know, they actually have the same. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> they have the same problem, <laughs> connecting with Oscar voters. You know, um, uh -huh. but let's see. People have to remember the Oscars are about general entertainment. They're not about. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, and if you have a movie like Social Network that that's hits what, That's what my therapist has been telling me the past three months. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we've been on hiatus. I've been in therapy. <laughs> that's great. I wish I could go to therapy. I need therapy desperately. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I, you guys? I need therapy. Oh. No, you just need a hot, oh, hard, one. Oh, <laughs> hot <laughs> hard one. None of us would be nearly as interesting <laughs> if, we, if we were on uh, antidepressants. You know? Exactly. No, I never take antidepressants, but I sure wish I could, you know, be a healthy-minded person, not a psycho. I don't know, because I wonder how many artists really are healthy-minded, like in the way that we're talking about, where you can just, you know, can just uh, roll with it. I don't think yeah. a lot of our artists just uh, accept things. But creative, interesting people are always whacked. I'm a substitute yeah. artist and creative, interesting for Oscar blogger. And they Shouldn't I be on medication? I'm an Oscar blogger. No. <laughs> That'd be um, a different kind of blog. I mean, I'm sure there are bloggers who are on who write all, only about that. But I mean, that's just not that's not your style. And I'm glad it's not. Hmm. I think we I'm, might. I'm glad that you brought up movies that not that like Drive that are, haven't been released yet because I'm looking and I'm trying to think. Really, the only popular movies that I have liked so far this year have been Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Source Code and I liked Hannah a lot um, hmm. I really um, like Hannah really, I'm bummed that Hannah got clobbered I, I like Hannah a lot I, I think it's I, I, it's going to age I'm going to watch it it's going to be a movie I can see again and again but but the movies that I really liked more than any of those are the movies that are just going to drop out of sight and not getting any kind of awards attention probably at all movies like 13 Assassins I'm glad you brought up yeah. 13 Assassins. It was the best summer movie not released in the yeah. summer. Hmm. Love that movie. And, uh, yeah. And um, Mysteries of Lisbon is incredible. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know the status of that. Whether, let's see, I don't even know what country would submit it, whether it would be Chile or Portugal or which, because because of the director. But he passed away, you know. Uh, Raul Ruiz um, passed away a couple of weeks ago. Hmm. And... Uh, uh, I don't know if that will affect, if that will make, if that will encourage the the country to submit it as a as a best foreign film or discourage them. I just don't know whether that whether that'll be a factor or not. But it's really one of the most incredible movies I've seen all year. Wow. It did really well with critics, didn't it? 
Uh, let's see. I'm not seeing it on Metacritic right now. Maybe because not enough. Maybe because it. Not, oh, here it is. Yeah, it's 81. It has 81 overall Metacritic score. That's not bad. So it's right above. It's the same as Midnight in Paris. The same as Midnight in Paris. Still, with the foreign films like that, you want it to do better than that, I think. Yeah, I expected. That's why I didn't see it because I was looking for it to be higher up the list, but it's it's kind of down there. Hmm. So there's that, and um, I, in Cindy's, um, I guess was last year. It was in it was in the running last year. So sort of, even though it's it's, I'm seeing it on the list here because it was released in 2011. Um, it's really old news, I guess, for everybody. Yeah, it was foreign film last year, but it didn't technically get released in this country until this year. Yeah, but that was fantastic. Uh, it some, was. Some people really hated it, thought it was heavy-handed, um, and and there was a point at the. When I was sitting there watching it, I was totally into it the entire way. Then the ending and the way it resolved itself, it, ju- it those seemed for a second like just a yeah. little too much. And yet, at the same time, I, th- I had to think about it for like five minutes, and then it totally worked for me. But I could see where people could say, eh, it's just a load of crap. Mm. Because it, it was it's, just so... It- like you say, the it, coincidences, and it just—it was just yeah, the coincidences too much. It, it's too. You see, you see, you see, you've been manipulated pretty, pretty well, and you've been, and things have been withheld from you that 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 uh, would have clued you in if you had known. But I, that doesn't bother me because life is like that. I mean, well, I, and, I, and it encapsulated um, something so. Uh, I, never mind. Cut this part out. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I was going to I mean, say something really profound, but it it. it it was dealing with such an immense amount of pain that it, yeah. I, I was accepting of it being a little exaggerated in terms of the way all the dots kind of connect together. If that makes any sense. At yeah, all. I never saw it, so I can't contribute. That's <laughs> a so lame. Well, it has the same sort of same sort of coincidences that like crazy stupid love has near the end. Oh <laughs> no! We find out that everybody is related in ways that you wouldn't have thought that, that would was, be. That's when the movie took a t- turn down for me. Was that part? <laughs> But everything else I liked about it. As soon as it's like, oh, Emma Stone's the daughter of, you know, I was like, oh, God, please, no. Please, no, don't make it be that. I like that. I'm glad that you that you had your friend come in and do a guest review of that because I, w- I wanted to be talking about it, but I thought if I do, everybody's going to think that I'm a girl, for one thing, and then they'll no. also think that I'm just because I like it just because of uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan, Ryan Gosling. But well, that's it, the only reason really Rain likes it. It's because of Ryan Gosling. So I know, really. That's cool. really for her, her review focused on. But but she brought out a lot of other good points about it, too. She's I mean, been it, sending it, me. It, it's, very, it's very realistic about relationships. It's very yeah. That's a lot of well, she's she's been married for like thirty years or something, twenty something years, mm. and um, but you know she's she and I just all we do is send pictures of Ryan Gosling back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you like Drive so much because Ryan Gosling. Well, that's that, no, but there's a lot about Drive that's good besides him, and but he's this is his like Brando in Streetcar performance. You know, this is his like. You think it's time for him to stand up and accept. And own his hotness. He does it in this movie. Finally, you know. In Crazy of, Stupid Love or in, in Drive? Uh, in Crazy Stupid Love, he does it a little bit, he, but he does it in a humorous way. And in The Notebook, he does it, but he kind of does it in a little bit of a geeky way. You could tell he still wants to be thought of as a serious actor. Uh, but in Drive, he's like, I know exactly what power I have <laughs> mm-hmm. you know he just look the, the whole movie is he's just looking at Carrie Mulligan he just looks at her like a lot of the same way that Mickey Rourke looked at Kim Basinger in Nine and a Half Weeks very similar mm. 
Is that what the smirk on his face was? I always thought it was just very either. similar to that. It's... I thought it was gas or he was stupid. Oh, <laughs> Craig. <laughs> well, I keep forgetting Craig saw it already and he's asking me all these questions. <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out what's so great about the movie. That's why I'm quizzing you. Cause well, I didn't... You, don't, you don't like the director for one thing. You I don't, don't like, like the director. director. I didn't... Uh, I, I, the, the violence put me off, which it normally doesn't, but in this case it did because it just seemed like the director was showing off again. And, I sent um, you this. Did, did I send you this book, or did I just tell you about it? I, you I told I, me about it. I read uh, it on. I, I sent everybody else you. a copy of it, but I never got around to sending you your copy. You probably gave up on me because I'm an ungrateful bastard. But, oh. uh, I, I did read it, and I, I really liked the book. I didn't. Yeah. It, it made me like the movie even less because the movie so failed to capture what was good about the book which um, surprised me because the book was pretty simple and straightforward but it i will was, say that, it, that albert brooks is fantastic in the movie he's absolutely the best part albert brooks Lo- loved albert brooks and um albert brooks is great and this is what i loved about it all the supporting players brian cranston and he was great. um what's the other guy's name quick help me so i don't sound like a fool. hellboy yes what was his name yeah, I can't remember. I'm Beauty and the Beast. Oh, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. He's in the show. Oh, Beauty and Ron. The... Ron. Yeah, Ron Perlman. Perlman. Yeah. Thank you. Ron Perlman is great. And um, Carrie Mulligan is amazing. Really? I didn't like her. And oh. I didn't like Ryan Gosling either. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> he was a cipher. I couldn't understand what he was thinking ever in the movie. It, and mm. it frustrated the hell out of me. Maybe it's my fault. I don't know. He was hot, man. That's all I can say. <laughs> I, will, I will grant you that. He was hot. Maybe that's enough. That's all it he's, is about. It's got a really high score on, on IMDb. People who have seen it, there's not a lot of votes, but it's got a 9 out of no, 10. It's, it's Especially be the IMDb audience. They totally eat this shit. Yeah. Absolutely. This is totally like the fanboy blogger demographic, this movie. So Honestly, this that's movie, probably another reason why it offends me. Because they all want... That. Sorry, go ahead. When this movie uh, goes wide, it's going to have a really high score. Oh, yeah. It's going to be in the top two. It's going to be one of the highest. It's going to be on the top two fifty for sure. It's like they all want to be Ryan Gosling, and they all yeah. want to be that cool, you know. And, you, and got, you forgot to mention Christina Hendricks when you're naming talking about she's, the cast. Yeah, she's a small part, but yeah. she's she yeah, know okay. she's funny in it. Mm-hmm. It's really like it's all about Albert Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. The, the fanboys like that director too. They really loved uh, yeah. Bronson, and they really loved um, Pusher, and they really loved uh, Valhalla Rising. So they're they're pretty much gonna. There's he's two. Like, he's like the new Aronofsky slash Fincher. Absolutely. There's you two things about it that really bothered me, and one is that this isn't a spoiler. One is that his choice of music I thought was too on the nose. And I felt that the first time I saw it, it was backed up. The second time I saw it, I was like, no, come on. Don't pick songs that are talking exactly about what's going on on screen. Right, you know? right. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing. The second thing that bothered me the second time through, didn't get me the first time, was that I didn't believe that Ryan Gosling could was that physically adept to pull off some of those violent scenes. That was, right. But I... It didn't really affect how I felt about the movie. I still really loved it. You know, he, I don't know if they made hot. enough point of in the movie since I haven't seen the movie, but they do say in the, he's a stunt driver in the, for the movies, and so he's yeah. a stunt man. So he has he's trained to do stunts. In I know, films, but and he so just he doesn't pretty, look as pretty, strong pretty, enough to. 
Oh, okay, strong strength. You mean, yeah. That yeah. element really dangled for me. The whole stuntman thing. It it, it justified why he was a good driver, but uh -huh. it, it seemed kind of tacked on. And then they added this whole other subplot about him maybe becoming a stock car driver for the Albert Brooks right. character. And that, uh -huh. and I, I, what I thought, what was weird is when I saw the movie, I thought, well, that's just this weird dangling thing. And I thought maybe they cut something out of the book, but it turns mm. out that they actually just added that part from the book. And I still don't even know why. I know. Mm. I, I, it's funny because I totally missed it the first time. Like I didn't understand that that was plot was in play. And the second time I saw it, I was like, wait a minute, he was going to drive this like $500,000 race car for the guy. Right. You know, and it does, mm. it does dangle. And, but the second time I saw how the characters interconnect a little bit better, like it's a film noir. It's a pulpy film noir, this plot. Mm. That's the way the book is. Yeah. Oh, the book is, and the book is a lean machine. I mean, the book is just pared down to just nothing but just verbs. You know, it's just, the book is just all just like three yeah. word sentences. It's just, it's, it propels you. But, I think the movie yeah. tried to make the book more complicated than what it really was, and it didn't mm. quite work. It's a pretty Plus slender it, story. Yeah. Which normally are are perfect for movies because movies yeah. normally have to cut a bunch of crap out in order yeah. to fit everything in, and I think they could have played it much more straight and it would have worked better. And I think the the motivations of the main character would have been more clear if they had done that, and lots of other things. Plus, it 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 tried so hard to be a Michael Mann or a Walter Hill movie or a Scorsese it, it, movie. It just made me want to watch a movie by one of those guys, which for me. Are much better. Well, the violent well, scenes you, were very Scorsese. Do you guys think that it's artsy enough to be to be like a Departed? To as, as no. far as uh, no, I think it's, it's too violent. To, it's not on the level of the Departed. Um, no. To me, it's just ultimately about Ryan Gosling because, <laughs> you know, you uh, when I interviewed him, I sat at the round table and interviewed him in Cannes. He had such a presence. I mean, he's not just cute, but he has this incredibly magnetic force about him. And when you mm. see that in person, I haven't really seen it to its full potential until Drive on the screen. Like he really owns it, you know. And on that, and I, th I think that's probably where it fell down for me because he doesn't have the same magic effect on me. I like him. I like him a lot. I loved him in Lars and the Real Girl, but he doesn't have that same captivating presence for me and I think he was relying a lot on that for the movie right? and the fact that it didn't click for me in that way left this huge gap for me in that character and I can see that, absolutely see that Yeah. probably where it went sour for me so it's my fault. No it's not your fault it's, it's just that it's a movie that's not necessarily going to be for everybody it's not, yeah, a, it's not like the that's, help that's true <laughs> yeah I would love to see the Ryan Gosling character kick the crap out of half the characters in the house. That would be awesome. <laughs> I just love how he's so cute in it. Oh my god! And you know he's so cute in interviews and talk on talk shows. He's he's so oh. adorable and in 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 not I don't I can't call that real life, but the other kind of off-screen life that you see him on the on the talk mm. show show circuit. He's just adorable. Good Lord. I'm really happy for his career, and I'm happy. It looks like that this director is going to be using him in his next film, right? We've heard that that he's going to. They're going to make the, their next movie together. And somebody was saying today that he's maybe in, in uh, Terrence Malick's next movie. Yeah. Well, he won me over completely when he um, when he did uh, when he released that statement about Blue Valentine and the patriarchal culture. <laughs> 
I mean, I you know, remember that. Remember last year when they were going to slap Blue Valentine with the NC-17 rating, and uh-huh, he yeah. came out and said that you know we'll show all this violence, but you know we can't show a woman you know pleasuring her, you know getting her own pleasure mm-hmm. on because we're so mm-hmm. uncomfortable with that in our patriarchal society. It, like every woman in you know in the world <laughs> like collectively swooned when he did that. That's awesome. So he's, you know, the guy at the library who you saw trying to watch it on the library, you should have told him where to fast forward to. I know, I should have. I don't think he got to any part that was, you know, Mm -hmm. he just was like, what the hell is this? You know, it didn't, (laughs) they sold it as something different than what it was, you know. But, um, but I think you should be hitting up more guys at the library, is what I'm saying. No, he was like, (laughs) he was like one of your type of guys. (laughs) He would never have gone for me. (laughs) <laughs> you know, young, dark skinned, <laughs> muscular. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely not. I'm like his mother type. But. Um, okay, guys. Well, I think we should sign off now. We've been almost at the two hour mark here. Yeah, okay. And so we always talk so fucking much. It makes your job so hard, I feel No, bad. it doesn't. I'm, I'm so much better at it now. It'll just take me not too long at all. I know exactly where to take out. And I'll try to pare it down to like an hour and a half. Um, but we do need a sign-off where we say goodbye. We can stay on the phone and talk, but we need a like uh-huh. a recorded sign-off. Don't you think? Sure. I forget what we used to do about that. Uh, well, Jeff and I just say, I was... okay, see you later, talk to you later, okay, bye, like that. Uh, yeah. Or we can just cut it off at a certain point, and I can just say, you've been listening to three-way movieism. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. <laughs> let's do that, because I usually, right. I think um, when we've done this before, usually I'm, I'm so mad about something by the end of the conversation that I, I'm pretty quiet at the end, and so I don't oh. usually say goodbye because <laughs> I'm mad about something. <laughs> So should I mad, stop? Mad at us or mad at the world? <laughs> mad at the world. I mean, you know, just, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much mad that I forgot to say all the things I wanted to say, and it's over, and I'm, I've, and it's done, and I'm fucked up. Never, I'm always mad because never. I never sound as smart as I think I really am. Oh, not possible. Which, may, which maybe just tells me I'm not as smart as I think I am, but I don't like to be confronted with that, and I don't like to have recorded evidence of it either. <laughs> you are smart, and you sound smart, and you are important. <laughs> People like me. Doggone it. <laughs> All right. You've been listening to Three-Way Moviegasm Podcast with Sasha Stone and Ryan Adams from AwardsDaily.com and Craig Kennedy from LivingInCinema.com. We will hopefully be back next week, and thanks for listening.
too bad It's so sad I'm in love with you You love me And you snub me Can I do? I'm still. 